Hello, 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 all my amazing people. It's your girl Joy Has Questions coming to you again on this amazing Sunday afternoon. I hope everyone is having an amazing time, thotting and bopping wherever you are, enjoying life and living it to the fullest. You already know how we do, so let me jump right into You Better Know. So Google did this earlier this week. You know how they do their little doodles or whatnot. And they put me on game, which is I had never heard of Octavia E. Butler. Uh, This was an African-American science fiction writer. So this is super dope for me because when I think of science fiction genre, unfortunately, we never attribute that to African-Americans or just like anything else, I don't really see too many anime based on African-Americans or the African diaspora or anything of a science fiction nature. So to see her be one of the most celebrated writers in the science fiction or fantasy genre was just amazing. Had no idea what the Hugo or Nebula Awards were um, or the fact that she was the first science fiction writer to receive a MacArthur Fellowship, which we all know is one of the most coveted fellowships in the world. So jumping right into it, she was born June 22nd, 1947 in Pasadena, California. She was raised by her widowed mom, Pretty much her father died shortly after birth. Um, she went to community college during the Black Power Movement. So you can already see, like, this is a very pivotal time in history. And she's deciding, like, where she wants to be on it. She also was encouraged to attend the Clarion Workshop, which focused on science fiction. Um, basically, when it comes to how she got her rise to success, she enrolled into California State University, but then switched to UCLA. Like, come on with the options. Just like, oh, I'm casually going to go from California State to UCLA. Um, She basically was a part of the Screenwriters Guild of America. It was a workshop that they did, which was designed to help mentor minority writers. And her writing impressed noted science fiction writer Harlan Ellison, who encouraged her to attend the six-week Clarion Science Fiction Workshop in Pennsylvania. All of these words just basically mean reach back and help others because if it had not been for this already esteemed black writer who or rather writer who looked at her and was just like you know what I think you're fucking dope you need to do this she may not have even taken on that role she here's the key point I want everyone to realize while she was working on different novels She had temporary jobs to help her live on writing. So for everyone who wants to just, you know, sometimes be like, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to stop everything I'm doing and focus on this one aspect of my career and hope that maybe somebody pop and sees me and puts me on. That's not how it always necessarily works. Sometimes you have to work shit that you may not even care for so you can have the opportunity to fund and really do what you are truly passionate about. So basically in 1994, Her body of work, Speech Sounds, won the Hugo Award, and then her later on the next year, Blood Child, won it again, as well as the Locust Award. Now, these awards that may, to some, sound really weird, but the Hugo Award, pretty much, is a set of literary awards given for the best science fiction or fantasy works the previous year. When she really was able to crack gold was when The Parable of the Talents won Science Fiction Writers of America's Nebula Award for Best Science Fiction Novel. The reason why that is so amazing is because the Nebula Awards recognizes the best science fiction or fantasy published in the United States. So she was beating out everyone so everyone was going oh game of thrones is epic shout out to game of thrones but no sis she was coming for heads that year also when it comes to her she was also awarded 
the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation Fellowship, which came with a prize of $295,000. I'm just going to end this with a quote that she said, which is why I'm like, oh, you are a real one. I would have loved to have met you. Who am I? I am a 47-year-old writer who can remember being a 10-year-old writer and who expects someday to be an 80-year-old writer. I am also comfortably antisocial, a hermit, a pessimist if I am not careful, a feminist, a black, a former Baptist, an oil and water combination of ambition, laziness, insecurity, certainty, and drive. This was a woman who knew who the fuck she was and who was sure of herself, and I respect the hell out of her. Unfortunately, This queen did not live to be an 80-year-old writer. She died in 2006, February 24th to be exact, at the age of 58. But when I tell you this is a woman that literally marched to the beat of her own drum and just put out amazing bodies of work that now I will be adding to my collection, as you should be as well, she is someone definitely worth celebrating. So shout out, queen. I hope you are writing about all of the things that are in your heart and to your heart's desire in heaven. And now we are ready to move on to the trashy ass part of my show, which is so according to IG. I am super excited to have my guest for this episode of Joy Has Questions. This young lady is someone who I've known for a long time. Were we not Beastly Bees together? We that is so. We Beastly Bees, absolutely. God, those green and yellow jumpsuits from hell. Okay. <laughs> um, no, so definitely have just watched her grow up into. <laughs> let me not talk like I'm your, like, like cool auntie. <laughs> I just, I remember her growing up. No, but. She really grew into her forehead. <laughs> Girl, I'm still trying to grow into mine. So if you did, congratulations. Um, but no, to watch this woman, like, I always make the joke, like, I'm ratchet, sophisticated ratchet, I'm kind of trash. So I'm like, so to see someone keep themselves together <laughs> in such a great way, I am very happy to have oh, Nicole Johnson you. here. Thank so you. without further ado, the reason why she is so amazing, this young woman is running for alderman of the 20th Ward. Her love and pride of her community, Inglewood, rivals mine of the low end. I'm like, girl, we can do this all day. Give out our cross streets. So I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yay! And I promise I will not. I, I am toning down the ratchet just because of how great this moment is. Okay, girl. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're just going to start with So According to IG. <clears throat> So, black girls trying to be entrepreneurs. Um, I remember when, like, the little black girl who was on, like, Shark Tank, she had her B-Sweet lemonade that got picked up by Whole Foods. I remember when Mose Bowes, that little boy who mm-hmm, now is, like, mm-hmm. a multimillionaire, has a deal with the NBA, you know, to help dress players wow. in, you know, a very uh, elegant manner. This little girl in San Francisco, I'm not going to say name, not because I'm trying to put her out there, but because I'm like, she's the one that needs protection. Like, not Allison Edel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this young lady was selling water on a hot day, doing a logical thing for $2, found out that she was doing it because she wanted to um, basically get tickets to Disneyland. I don't even know how this woman got there, but the woman literally tried to call the police on this little girl for selling water. Mm-hmm. I, it, when it comes to these situations anymore, like we already know the the time that we live in, mm-hmm. the president clearly or the the state of politics have emboldened racists to be like, Whoa, absolutely. I've been waiting to put my Letterman jacket back on. <laughs> Let's go, KKK bait. Like I'm sitting there, like, are you serious right now? <laughs> right. But what are your thoughts on that? Like, 
I'm I'm kind of done talking about like how do how do you feel like what what do we need to do because at this point I'm done. Yeah, I um actually yesterday I made this status on Facebook about how being black in America, let alone Chicago, is a very stressful experience. There's data that shows they give out sanctions and tickets for black people riding their bikes and other types of moving violations, quote unquote, in black black and brown communities more so than other parts of the city. Um, so there's just this, um, there's an attack on black people across the diaspora. We mm-hmm. see it here every day. It's very painful. Um and so in this particular context, this yet again um, is an attack on our opportunity to be economically empowered mm-hmm. um, and also give our children the opportunity to um, just do what other white kids have the opportunity to do. How which many is lemonade stands exactly. are currently... On somebody's neighborhood yard in Winnetka or Bolingbrook or anywhere Hoffman else in the states, city. Arlington Heights, all of that. And so this just this just continues to affirm that idea that our kids aren't allowed. We aren't allowed to be human and fully express ourselves and mm-hmm. do what is part of this American dream, right? Um, this little girl was doing, like you said, the logical thing to make money. She wasn't, she saw a need. That's what entrepreneurs do. They see a need and then they fill it. She had the resources to do so. Um, so, and just overall, our kids aren't allowed to be kids. Mm-mm. She was an adult. She was an adult, right? Mm-hmm. No, she wasn't. She was an eight-year-old little girl just trying to make a coin. And here we have this lady who wasn't allowing her to do so. I looked at the situation, and that to me just shows, like, we all know how dangerous entitlement is. We see what happens with white entitlement, like, the type of world or the construct now that we have to deal with. But for somebody to literally sit here and have a dispensary, because I did my little, you know, research into her finances or what's been coming out about her, we know that we basically, it's not been fully legalized. In fact, if anything, Sessions is now trying to come back and like cr- put more criminal criminalized uh, or make it a criminal, I don't even know how to say it correctly, but basically make it where you can possibly get more time Yeah, for these nonviolent offenses, mm-hmm. you know? So to see on one end something that fundamentally annoys me because I'm like, so what happens to everyone who was selling nickel and dime bags in the 90s and then had to go up, you know, the creek without a paddle? But now people like Allison Edel or people in Colorado, literally the buy-in for dispensaries is so high right now. You can't even do it if you wanted to. Like, this is a brand new day. Yep. And so to see her, who's already benefiting from now, like, the softening of laws, if you will, so that she now can be an entrepreneur, you know. and I'm A woman, too. A woman entrepreneur. I'm a a white woman. I'm a minority, you know. And I'm like, but you're looking at another... Girl, this is our subsect. This is a, a potential entrepreneur. That's literally, like you said, the basis of supply and demand. But a lot of us say, oh, you can't do it. You don't have a permit. From what I've been seeing about you, you don't fully really have your legal. permits either. Absolutely. And she's been losing. And I, I say this all the time. This world is not black and white. It's green. <laughs> Under the guise that it's a race thing. Because the thing is, no one truly get. Whew, 
No one truly cares in this country until money is involved. Yeah. Roseanne is on an apology tour from hell because now her coins are affected. Right. The same thing with this woman. We already know. I didn't know and all this other crap is about to come out because she's losing sponsorship and investors for her dispensary. Or people good. saying, you know what? We don't want to be associated. Oh, I was like. Very good. Also, the little girl just got four tickets to Disneyland from someone who was like. Here, sis. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> but I think it's a really horrible fact that, or reality, like you said, we are not allowed to be empowered or to exercise, you know, that sense of, like, entrepreneurial spirit, which is supposed to be the basis of America. Right. But then turn around and also, because 10 years from now, she, you know, is a teenager or whatever. Oh, well. That's why, why don't you people work for anything? Mm-hmm. Excuse me? Yeah. Like, first off, we do. And second of all, I remember Rosewood, Florida, and that massacre that happened. I remember the burning down of Black Wall Street. Don't talk to me about us not working. We do it, but even then, you all don't allow us to for whatever your racist, bigoted reasons are. Right. Um, on Netflix, David Letterman has a show called My Next Guest Needs an Introduction. And I love he had, his new Unabomber look, but yes, go. And he had um, Jay-Z, mm-hmm. and uh, Dave Letterman was like, yeah, I had a paper route. And then Jay-Z was like, I did too. And then he goes in to talk about like how he you know, used mm-hmm. to you know, sell dope. And he was like, yeah, that's my paper route. And it was just so matter-of-factly, and I think that we now full – you know, full transparency crack and that was introduced to the hood was probably the one of the demises, what caused the demise of the black community. So I'm not saying that that was something that should continue. However, what I will say is that for so long, we've been businessmen and entrepreneurs and just like it, it pains me. I was in L.A. last month and went to a dispensary and it just pained me to know that so many black men on the south side of Chicago are incarcerated when you have these white kids in the Bay Area or in SoCal, cash money. And I do appreciate people that are vocal about um, using this as a mode of reparations. I know Cynthia Nixon is running for Mm -hmm. governor in New York. York. Uh, One of my supporters, he uh, founded GTI, which is one of the most popular and fast-growing medical dispensaries I mean, cultivation plants in the country. Um, and he's here in the sh- Chicago, and he just his company is about to go public. So you have people that are making money, and also he's very intentional about using this as a motor reparations and um, being able to level the playing field on that. But it's not enough for that, and we need to be at the forefront of that. And what I will say on this marijuana thing, because it is something that's very important to me, is um, – in this month's issue of Ebony, mm-hmm. it features five black women who are at the there. They've started different companies around sell, the sale of mar- the legal sale of marijuana. I think like the youngest dispensary owner, she's a it's a black woman. I didn't read the full or, article. What well, I I did hear a story yeah. about that. Like she opened, I'm like, yes, at 23. Exactly, like, oh, girl. and they've gotten really. Um, They've done a good job. Like they featured this one. It was two women, and they um, would they organize around marijuana. Mm-hmm. So doing more education and outreach, which is super important in the black community because we're so averse to drugs being present in our community because we see what it's done. However, this particular drug is very unique in that it's become like acceptable mm-hmm. and. 
um, people are making money over it. And so that piece is very important to incorporate um, the education piece so that our communities can understand the power of the dollar and what's possible with this control control substance. But yeah, I definitely, I agree. And I think this, this is definitely a story that can just continue to go on in so many different areas, Mm -hmm. even though like I'm looking at her little raggedy Mm -hmm. self, like Mm -hmm. that's why your edge is dry and lackluster now. But when I holistically look at it, it does open up another discussion in terms of like, okay, how can we now empower ourselves on an economic scale? And then I I think what you mentioned is key. We have to have outreach and understanding of it. Yep. And that's the the bigger thing because of course you, we all have an uncle or auntie or cousin that, you know, in the nineties or whatever was either always in and out of jail or was just like, don't keep, you know, they can't be in a house without no one there because they don't stick. You know, we Mm -hmm. have the story, you know, so when everyone has that story, you start to see the statistics of what, like, crack or what a harder substance did do to a community. Yep. So I see why everybody on edge. Of course, of course. Um, but that's actually one of my platforms for my campaign is economic empowerment. And so I went door to door and just talking yesterday and I was talking to residents and they're talking about, yeah, my my insurance is going up and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, my, my mind is turning, like, I'm thinking, how can we decrease their insurance can we do it by census block their premium such that they can free up some money that can go to, you know, contributing to this new kickstart up that someone in the community is doing or something like that. So we, we, it's, it's very important that, you know, we have people like you who are in the communication space to start mm-hmm. sharing these ideas. But then we have people like me who are in the, in the elected political space and people on the ground to kind of create some synergies to have those conversations about how do we circulate more dollars, create more unique opportunities for us to be economically empowered. Exactly. And thank you for saying that because that's, that's truly the whole point of my platform. Yep. Like I want to give people, especially millennials, centennials, like the opportunity to like tell us what's going on so that anyone who's listening can connect, you know? Right. And that is an excellent segue then uh-huh. into what I like to call spotlight time. Um, actually, I also like to call it, so I have a question, but I can't decide which one I like most. Okay. Everyone who knows me on any platform knows I'm low end till I die. And okay. so every time I see you, I'm like, yes. <laughs> you better be repping it's English. all the south side okay? i know so, no, no. and y'all cousins i'm not split like i love she's west inglewood you're inglewood i'm like there's okay. like a little triangle that's going on okay. here but i love the fact how hard you rep inglewood or you know where it is that you came from because mm-hmm. i you can see the passion and the fact of like you do gentrification like with you at the helm gentrification ain't something that's just gonna blindly happen now you look up and like everyone's gone you know Mm -hmm. so in terms of your passion where where does that stem from why are you just so committed to this community it's a it's a conviction because you know you know what happens when you go to beasley you go to whitney young kenwood morgan park wherever else and then it's funny, I met this guy, he went to Beasley, and then he ended up going to, like, Bronzeville something. And I was like, how did you end up going there? Like, you're not supposed to go there. Like, you have four they choices. They got four choices. <laughs> I remember people used to look at Jones. Before Jones yeah, got, like, this popping, revamp. Right, right. like, Because I went to Peyton, and that's because it was the new one. Yeah. But that's the thing, like... There was no, like, yeah. options. Right, right, right. You're on a track for You're on Beasley. the track. So, like, you know, I was on the track. Beasley, Whitney Young, Michigan, National Lewis, Penn, like from 63rd and Green, 
65th and Green, knowing that that wasn't the case for all the kids in my community. One instance in particular, this is this little boy. We used to, I'm a couple years older than him, and we used to walk to the bus. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, after a while, they stopped dropping you off at your house because they started limiting the number of buses to schools because of resegregation. But that's another conversation. Girl. And then I graduated from Beasley and then went away and then uh, went to Whittion and went away to school and come home on breaks and see him on the corner. And it was like, okay, we went to Beasley together. That was cool. But then you went to some other school and that changed your whole entire life trajectory. Now he like mobbing on the corner. Like that's his spot. And it's actually a gang border at the end of our block. So... When I see how that could have been me, mm-hmm. although, like, we had, there's other factors at play. It's not just school. It's about family. Um, it's about, you know, we lived in a building that my grandmother owned. So that was obviously a lesson that I learned about just being, um, owning your finances, just all those different lessons, those middle class values, as they say, quote, unquote, right? Um I was fortunate to have that and always be grounded in the community and just having this innate desire to want to give of give of myself to others, something that wasn't just going to benefit me. And so that's how I decided when my major was, decided to go into the classroom. It was important to me that I, being a successful Chicago public school graduate, would in turn become a Chicago public school teacher and be a testament to my students every day like this is possible and this is just me fresh out of college there's Mm -hmm. gonna be more to this story so that's where my passion comes from my grandmother is very compassionate as well my my family is very giving um that's just the the energy that we have and so having this light in me and being able to shine that in in the place of darkness and hopelessness that's in the community is what I'm called to do and that's how we're here today it's I could try to do something else but it just won't work that's your way to describe your passion for our people mm-hmm. and I mean at the like I know my my responsibility is to celebrate blackness and to educate as many people black and non-black as to why we are so dope right you know <clears throat> and the way I manifest that is through like like you said communications you have the same passion the same love the same desire the way you interpret manifesting that is through your involvement to Mm -hmm. actively bring people together to keep you know the community flourishing and business and education and to bring that to the forefront so and most importantly like when you've been to the ivy league and you've been here where'd you go to undergrad i I stayed here yeah i I went to usc and i graduated from roosevelt but you see the level of affluence yeah because you were downtown every day um, Mm -hmm. at roosevelt like on the mile, like you see what there else is better, and you're like, no, this, no, this needs to come here. Exactly. And so I have. It's funny. That's why I had one of the reasons why I had my campaign launch at my home on 65th and Green because, you know, I have a very mixed, diverse group of people that probably have never or maybe very so often come south of Roosevelt. That's the south or side. Cermak. <laughs> I was like, y'all gonna come to 65th and Green. And y'all gonna see what's good. And and the awful part about it is during my speech, they actually started shooting outside, which doesn't happen. Like I never hear that happen when I'm home. So mm-hmm. that's that was really weird. But um, 
that's it's what a good I'm, taste of reality but that exactly is just like look this is what real life is like this is why this needs to be a citywide effort it's not just us on the south side clamoring and trying to move forward but we need support from across the city we do and that's something that i i had i found myself doing this yesterday and it was i never had done it i never had to do it i should say i was heading downtown but i was like on 49th and king drive <laughs> And I was just, like, taking it all in. I was like, oh, I could walk to where I had to go. And I noticed, like, the bikers. Like, the bike lane has always been on Grand Boulevard or Mm -hmm. on King Drive. But what I noticed is they were all white. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, it got to a point I actively was counting them. I was was like, it was, it doesn't matter. Like, whenever I see someone where they're on, like, the green line at 51st Street. Because with Chicago being segregated, we all know. When you're on the red line and it's beyond... For the street, you'd be like, not even. You, you, are you? Did you miss? The did stop? you miss your stop? <laughs> right. Roosevelt was three stops ago. Or you get because I'm like, you know, Bridgeport is 35th. So I'm like, I just I want to make sure you know where you're going. Like, kind of, I don't care, but whatever. Right. Yeah. And so I found myself doing that, and it made me think of like. It's really happening. Like, oh, yeah. we're no longer this little, like, all, all cover under undesirable. I know the day I see a Starbucks, y'all are going to have to call and check on me in bronze because I'm just going to be like, it's, it happened. Um, I'm surprised it isn't. Well, you got 35th and State 35th Street. 35th and State. But see, also, everyone got super scared because tragically, when that woman got caught in that crossfire, I think that also was a sobering reality of, like, this Boop. isn't, you know... Lincoln Park, Starbucks. Um, but in terms of gentrification, like, what are ways that, especially with the involvement that you're, or the role that you would like to take as alderman, we're going to claim it, as it's the future here. alderman. It's here. it's here. Okay. What is the role that you will be taking so that everyone within this new Inglewood, it's a place of unity and not a place of, because I don't understand this community and I just moved into it because it's a good property value look. Well, um, my ward that I'm covering it encompasses five different communities. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is in Woodlawn and Washington Park, and then it goes to a bit of Inglewood and then back of the yards area. So a lot of what's happening, this this what you, you're speaking of, is already it's sold up for the most part. Um, last year, I was looking for homes to purchase in the ward, and a house that was going for 185 is now at 465 or something like that in the in the span of a year and in 2016 when the Obama Center announced that they would be in Jackson Park property values rose 38% when with within about like 6 to 9 months so those things are already happening in that part of the community of the ward when you look at like Inglewood for instance Inglewood is still very open it's vast and it has a lot of space available but people are already buying it up you have people that are very with a lot of cash cash not just credit but they have cash they have been buying parcels and parcels of land what the bank does oftentimes is they will particularly since the um the bottom dropped out during the recession in 08 and 07 they would package their um different parcels and sell them to investors domestic and abroad so you have pe- you have if you look online to see what a mailing address is for a vacant lot you'll get a 
a mailing address for Abu Dhabi. So real talk. Um, so it's that's already happening. The sale of the land is already happening, which means that those people will have most often full discretion of what happens there, right? Um, the best way to mitigate that is to identify what are some innovative revenue streams that can be pulled and incorporated such that we can circulate new dollars that go to small business development or um, anything of the sort if we're trying to revamp a... um, uh, uh, what what was once a social community space revamp it so that it can be a family center during the day for entertainment in the, in the evening something like those are the type of things that I'm thinking about so that they can benefit local residents mm-hmm. so we along the 63rd street corridor on 63rd and cottage grove that's part of my ward we have dailies that's across the street it's moving yes. to the it's moving to the north side so there's questions north side of the street I was about to say <laughs> I'm like I'm sorry what I thought it was going <laughs> no, 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 okay it's moving across the street so then you have other flagship institutions that will be building on there. So there needs to be specific space allotted for small businesses. If so-and-so on 65th and Kimbark has a catering, a successful catering business that mm-hmm. has its performer and, you know, has been generating revenue for X number of years, they need to get opportunity to move into that spot. Right. Um, also thinking about how can we tax um, vacant property and zombie um, establishments that can me, again generate revenue too. Let me just stop you really quickly because it's quite clear. Like obviously, you know your like you know your stuff when it comes to zoning and parcel. Like you're bringing up things to me that I'm just like I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in terms of that, the mailing address can for empty lots because we've always seen it's just the abandoned buildings that's just you know the place all the d-boys like either stash or the little girl was found there or right or it's like hiding places for murders like we never think about it in a sense from a business aspect Mm -hmm. so when i look at that it's like how do you even begin to start to educate yourself is it a matter of just going to community meetings it's is it a matter of like reading up on the different zones in the city like yeah. what would be a good jumping place for people who want to want to get to the level of basically understanding that you have yeah so my understanding came from the work that i've done when i was working at teamwork inglewood i developed this um process by which we had a committee of expert uh, experts um, from as it relates to like real estate housing developers to key in on different developments that the alderman would bring to see if it was appropriate for the community mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> from that process i had to learn really quickly i had to learn i had to learn the process from the ordinance online at cityofchicago.org and then i had to create a look at what other wards were doing and, and just and seeing and learning that way and then that opens up a why if you i'm a scholar at heart so i love to learn so i'm gonna search all these other different things that are relevant to this um for other people if they want to do it i mean there's um I, I can't think of the site but there's so many opportunities online that you can get an online certificate or it's pretty much like the curriculum and different links together where you can learn all this stuff. Um, Spend a lot of my, one of my favorite places in the city is 
Harold Washington Library. I love that building. I love that building. I love because there's That's such a, a wealth of information there. And the librarians love to help and support you. So if you just say, I want to learn about X, Y, and Z, and then they will bring you so many resources, books, links, all this stuff. So any person who wants to learn that stuff, go for that. Also, in Inglewood, um, this is another to your other questions, like that's not happening. There's a, a, there's a, a line of residents in Inglewood as well as Woodlawn that are very active, very aware, and very cognizant and very vocal about what's happening in their community. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, hello, like some of my constituents, they're like, Nicole, when you win, it's going to be the worst job because I'm going to be at your head every day. I'm like, okay, but B, I, let's that's go. That accountability. That's, that's that accountability. That's the community so you, you don't become laxed or right. comfortable. And that's the thing. A lot of times, especially when I see Chicago politics, and that is what drives me out my damn mind. It's this entitlement because I've been – clerk or whatever first judge of this you know war or not war but um of this area for 20 30 plus years it's like this expectancy the fact that like i can just do the bare minimum i'm like not only is the community changing the city is changing the world we live in is changing like you have to actively still find ways to inspire yourself to care and if you get to a point that you can't do that you need to let the job go Mm. Which never seems to happen. And and that's the thing. It's like, I see too many cases of it, it, the old vanguard. I'm like, you just are here because that's the name that is familiar when the ballot is pressed. It's like, or either someone doesn't recognize, you know, who a fill-in option is or who other options were, period. So you're just like, fine, I'm a, yeah, sure. And no, I'm just arbitrarily like sure Danny Davis or sure I'm gonna go for just whoever and I'm like start educating yourself and that's the big thing that you said you go to the library you do the research you have to be willing to put in the effort because everyone else is doing it and capitalizing off our communities absolutely so I'm like either we are going to continue to give away our gold or we're going to actively start to do something on our own to bring it back to each other. And that goes to the point I think you mentioned about, I may be jumping ahead, but just Mm -hmm. what our role as being educated black leaders is we need to be doing that educating. We need to be present. Um, That means volunteering and mentoring Mm -hmm. from the YMCA or I mentor or whatever the group is, the little kid who you always see, just ask him about his day and he going to keep, you going to keep doing it. And then he going to be like, so look what I did today. Cause mm-hmm. he's going to be thinking about that. Um, a lot of us are able to, a lot of us are in these communities still. We're very quiet, but we're present and we need to step out and be present. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. With, with the young people. And, um, and I know for a lot of, I, I was thinking about this other day, I was thinking about how a lot of my black male friends, they don't live in, in the hood anymore. And I understand because it's like, if they are there, the likely chance, the likelihood of them getting hurt goes up. So I get that for them, at least oftentimes it's not just me escaping and I got the money to do so, but it's like, it's survival. You still are a target. Always. And I mean, you, we can talk about like the bigger systematic reasons of how it became this way. But the fact of the matter is, if I know you got it and I want it, I'm going to try and get it. Like that's, that is fundamental. Yeah. Just Like that's what it is. You don't, I remember living on 63rd in Dorchester with my cousin and then 
literally hearing sirens and the next morning Rod Joy's son was dead, you know? So I'm just like, yep. It doesn't matter. Like, no one is sitting here talking about, like, the principles or, you know, the the economic devastation that's happened to the community when someone got a barrel at your head. Like, Mm -hmm. that's there. So I completely get it's not just all escapism. Mm -hmm. But I did want to know, because you have such, you have to be more conscious of your image. You have to, in the fact that you will be representing a large collective of people, many different people from walks of life. What are some things that you find that you still could, like, let your dress down? Have a little moment. I know you had your own house, so I'm pretty sure. Like, it's like, everyone come here to me. (laughs) But what are some ways in which, like, you still are able to balance being your authentic self with the fact that you are, girl, you're pretty much stepping into public life. Like, it's about to happen. that doesn't happen. That hasn't hit me yet, but I was telling someone last night, like, I have to catch up to that because Memorial Day weekend, I was out here and my mom said, you can't do that anymore. This is your last year. And I told my girls, I was like, we can't be here next year. We have to go somewhere else to celebrate because I can't be out here like that. And they know it. And my my girls, they know it too. My girl is like, she, she, you know, the phone and she's just like, this is for the archives. (laughs) You know, we can't share that because right. they're very protective of my image, too. Like, even one of my guy friends, last last summer, I was at Reverie. And, you know, I don't go there often. I probably go there two or three times a year. So I was there, present, fully present and prepared. And he was like, Nicole, you can't do that anymore. I have said two customers <laughs> today. Like, I literally have been thinking. Do you know how hard it's it is? Very like, hard. I have been thinking. I'm like class it up joy she's going places don't be like b96 trying to talk to obama that's not how that works so i'm like i'm trying to like suck it yeah it's tough though but i mean it's part of the process and i think um my authentic self like i said is my girls Mm -hmm. um my sister and i have been getting a lot closer um so that's beyonce yeah beyonce like i live through her (laughs) so like the day of the concert, I will be putting on my onesie. Six inches. (laughs) They're going to be out here. So, but just those little opportunities. But I mean, like when I weigh, I have too much to lose. And I'm just like, it's just a day. It's not worth it. And I want to emphasize something. There's a difference that in no way, just because you have a public image is in no way saying that you are fake. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people really need to understand yeah. the difference. A yeah. public image means is more so when you have to be, you're offering yourself up in, on any platform, whether it is social media, politics, entertainment, whatever. When we offer ourselves up, we are yeah. offering also for the positive and the negative of the criticism mm-hmm. of society, yeah. which is different if you just want to thought and bop and do live your life in right. private sector. So if you make that decision, you then become more conscious of representing all those different aspects of mm-hmm. life, you know? And it is a fine line to walk, but that in no way means like, oh, she fake out here because I just saw her dancing to, you know, at Grits and Biscuits two years right. ago. Yes, because I love Grits and Biscuits. Yeah. Like, the food and the party. <laughs> like, right. what's wrong with y'all? Yeah, and I think um, you said offer yourself up and, you know, me being a good Christian, you know, we offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice mm-hmm. to God's work. And to be Christ representers. And so even with that, there's a sacrifice in that. 
And this process has blown my mind in so many ways. And just in that part of you saying sacrifice, you're offering yourself up like I am not my own anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the work. I'm doing God's work. I'm here on purpose and I'm doing this for other people. So it's like you get out the way. So that stuff, when I weigh it, is it really important for me to be able to you know, shake it up and roll it this weekend. Probably not, right? It's 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 not the end of the world. I can do that at home or I can just, you know, call the girls over and we can, you know, do it at the crib. Um, or not do it at all. Like, it's really not that, I'm not that pressed to do it. Um, I think, too, we have to think about, you know, how did a Michelle Obama become who she is today? She had to go through a lot. Mm-hmm. And this even means your interactions with people, not just out here like, you know, you know, being out here, like black girls out here, how we enjoy ourselves. But um, it means how you interact with your colleagues. If you mm-hmm. have interactions that are, are altercations that are not positive, that are conflicts. I've had a number of those in my previous post and had to really think about, you know, that's cool because that's going to come back on another way I don't even have to do that so you really have to be maturing your thinking about how you handle even the most minute um and grandiose of co- uh, conflicts too as as your public image because everything's gonna, connected everything's connected that email's going to come back if you don't say it the right way that conversation's going to pop up that screen that's going to become a screenshot like I think about that even with my friends too, just like not even because I think you're scheming, but it's just like, I don't even want that to be part of any record of anyone's mind that I said something or I felt that way. I expressed that. I saw you do that earlier this week. You had expressed a thought about, I guess a lot of advisory boards are losing, especially in black foundations are losing like, the women that were a part of it. And I, I don't think the person said it with malice, but they were just like, oh, well, what was the reason for it? And you were just like, so back to the fact that it happened, I was like, yes. I was like, I, get, I, I understood their perspective, but looking, I understood where you were coming from too. It's just a matter of like, we just need to answer the question of like, how do we stop it? Right. That was the only point right. that you were making. I'm not getting messy. I'm not saying nothing. And those Girl, that's what group me's for. If you wanted to know, like, we could have went to Soleil and sat in the corner somewhere and been like, okay, so what happened? Right, but yeah, that's, that. that's a completely, I, I see the point. It's so funny. People be watching, but they don't say nothing. It's so funny. Like, people be like, looking, looking, real intently, and then we'll bring it up in conversations, but we'll never, like, engage with the posts and stuff. I think for me, it's a matter of not, enga- and I know I'm a very vocal, I can only speak for myself. I read things very incorrectly. So you know how you say, like, those situations, those arguments or whatever. So that's my own protection to take myself out of space because someone could have been like, oh, well, that's not what I meant. And in my head, I just read it. That ain't even what I meant. I'm like, okay, so that's about to be because I'm about to do the stretch hands and just start typing, like, Kermit on a typewriter. And it's like, no. So to protect, I've just, like, I'll see it and be like, I'll talk to her in person. Mm -hmm. So I don't have that issue with Mm -hmm. these random people on social media. But – I say all the time, we are in a very voyeuristic generation. Social media has created a generation of voyeurs, not actual interactions with one another. We look, we look at the perception and through filters, but mm-hmm. it's all smoke and mirrors. It is. So lastly, you brought up Auntie Michelle. You already know how we feel about her. And I'm just like, so are you out here on your solo, Michelle? Are you more so like, 
I see Barack, but I'm the senior law partner. He's an intern. Ain't nobody looking at him. Like, is it just more so like, I am focused on getting this 24. When it happens, it happens. Like, are you even dating in this space in your life? And you're just like, I go on dates. I've been axed out and. um, Wait, like he asked you out? Yeah. Wow. Men do. (laughs) I don't know who you are. They do. But good job, black men. Thank you. (laughs) They they do ask you out and they notice things and they say, you should, I'm going to treat you to a relaxing afternoon. I, in terms of focus, I'm focused. I'm become, it's a process. Right. Um, There, I'm a huge stickler for my time. So, I had this one situation, this one guy asked me out, and I was en route, like, about to hop in my Uber. Ooh, this is about and to trigger me. <laughs> he canceled. He was like, can we rain check it, blah, blah, blah. Of course I said okay, because I was pissed. And then he responded, so how's your day going? Like, as if we were done. Like, you know my okay was not a okay. You know I'm heated. But I was livid because I had rearranged my day. No, and that's, me and you are alike in that sense. Like, I can get money back. I can buy some more groceries. But I, I cannot, cannot get my get time my, back. When I waste time, I really feel like I lost couple hundred dollars like I literally feel broker and so that happened and I was like I nipped that in the butt and I was like you don't do that if we have plans you need to stick them or you need to have a knife in the side of your in your stomach because you had an emergency but don't just up and because you miscalculated your time I take requests for and I spend time um I am trying to make me and my girls had a difficult time of making following up with our plans that we've been making so that's been actually difficult because we're all over the place Mm -hmm. um i make time i'm open to it it has to be something and someone who understands what i have going on and compliments um, that and compliments that understands that like my ideal would be someone that can bring me food and rub my feet and we can talk about the day or not, but you just know where you are right now in that mm-hmm. today. And, and being confident with that is so hard to find men that are confident because I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm better than you and I need us to be okay with that. There's a difference between bravado and confidence. Ego does not equate confidence. And <clears throat> tragically, what I find with so many black men, they think that their ego is their confidence. And I'm like, your confidence is that intangible when everything else is taken away. Your ego is more so what I find things that feed into it. Like women can boost your ego. Having money can boost your ego. Being an athlete and successful can boost. That's huge. I like that. But I'm like, your confidence is if I lose all of that, am I still able to hold my head up high? And I see especially in like this influencer crowd. So many people. I'm like, if you did not have on them raggedy Yeezy slides looking like Swaparama from 2006, you would be crushed. Yeah. And everybody knows yeah. it. Yeah. But lastly, we are. I just have to wrap this up. I know we are two Southsiders. On record, I'm never going to rep Uncle Remus. But I have to admit, I have had the mild sauce. And I was like, fine, Miss Charmaine, it is good. But Uncle Remus or Harold's? Harold's. Yes, and I'm which one specifically? Um, 63rd and Carpenter. That's where I grew up at, so okay. that's right there. The best one in my mind forever will be the one that got tore down. It was the one in between Calumet and Prairie on 51st Street. So it was like right there oh, next to really? Red Oh, really? Girl, that's been... I, when I drove and I saw it, 
I got out. I cried like something. Like, bro, I was like, how God, did this happen? I didn't know that. Yeah, they tore That's that good. one down. I, like, I, I know years it's down, ago. Yeah. Yeah, mine is right there. And then I just started going to 87th Street because I, I started listening to the hype and everybody was like, 87th Street, 87th Street. So I literally just started going there a year ago. Um, but it's been that one. But my second one, I grew up on the one on 103rd and Halstead because that was by my grandma's house. She lived, oh, she lived out in 100. So that's where she was. So we used to go. I, that is so nostalgic. Like, it's the smell of mild sauce and my granddad's tobacco and there cigars that's those are the smells of my childhood mild sauce and tobacco and cigars for my non-chicago listeners mm-hmm. this is as far as i'm concerned this is the most ultimate question for black chicagoans it's like no uncle remus or harold's yeah stake your sides now because that just tells me everything i need to know about you as a person yeah <laughs> but from the bottom of my heart love thank you so much for coming on to the Yay. show for being open and honest i hope i didn't make you uncomfortable or make you go like girl we did not talk about any of these questions so i'm glad that you had such a good time here and i'm so happy Thank you for having me i totally will be supporting you in any way that i can help (laughs) definitely will be looking on social media and being actively present by responding or saying something so i'm not just looking but thank you love for coming on yeah you all should follow me nicole j shy across all the social media and nicole j shy.com that's n-i-c-o-l-e-j-c-h-i.com Yes. Uh, I just had an alderman on my show. Uh, I'm so legit, y'all. Okay. Well, well, well. Look who decided to finally bring herself to Chicago. Summer is here, guys. Mother Nature finally decided to let all of us see sunlight, and I am here for it. So best believe I'm going to be at somebody's kickback all June, July, August, and possibly a little bit of September. You know that first month always be popping with some Cavassier VSOP, the only drink that is worth drinking for summertime to get it in. I hope you're doing the same, and let's get it back with Joy Has Questions. So for my motivational message, when I, man, I just... I feel like today I have been a bouncing ball of sunshine. I feel like I have been joy literally on 2,050 milligrams. Like, I've just been extra as fuck. And the reason for that, why I'm so excited, is because yesterday I had the opportunity to speak a live show, guys. I'm so happy. But I had the opportunity to speak at You Had Me at Black, their first ever Chicago show, along with three other amazing storytellers. Shout out to them. Shout out to the whole You Had Me at Black team. Uh... Martina, my coach Johanna, who basically really just Miles, who made me feel so comfortable um, to tell this really personal story. But I remember sitting there on the couch waiting to go up and I was just, I'm used to getting over my nerves and being able to speak in public. Everyone knows like, oh, Joy, she's witty. She's funny. You know, her leave out is always blending with her. You so in. It's like, fine. I know what I'm known for. But what is really different is when you are about to say something that is from a place of vulnerability, right? I remember just sitting there and out of nowhere, this thought just popped in my head. The other side of fear is freedom. And it's not me trying to be like, oh, Joy, you're so deep. No, I I literally sat there and thought about that. I'm like, I have to do this because if I don't rise to the occasion, I'm not going to free up my spirit and free up my past pain and turn it into something that is a positive experience. So the reason why I am bringing that up now is because in a room full of strangers, I got up and told this really personal story. 
didn't do it for accolades. I didn't do it for follows. I didn't do it so people could be like, oh my God, girl, your dress is so cute. I really liked your outfit. I did it because for Joy has questions to be respected and for me to be happy with my fucking self, I have to confront head on the things that have tried to break me and the things that have tried to tear me down. I've done it with therapy. I've also done it with prayer. I've also done it with energy and just making sure that I have people around me, my tribe who support me. So in every three, I've done it, you know, in terms of also shedding and getting rid of things or people who did not benefit me. But I say that because it is so important that before you branch off and just start saying, hey, I want to be this or hey, I want to be that, you have to make sure that you're good within and you have to make sure that you are okay to confront the things that you don't like about yourself, the things that scare you, the things that hurt you and the things that have tried to tear you apart. Because just like there is freedom found on the other side of fear, There is pain found at the beginning of any process that can possibly lead to positivity. You want to be snatched and don't have money nor the time to wait over a year and a half for Dr. Miami? Don't ask me how I know how long his wait list is. Just kidding. You might have to do some crunches. And you know what? Sit-ups fucking hurt. Working out is painful. You want to sit here and know the process to make diamonds? I'm not going to be a super nerd girl today and go into it. But it's extreme pressure that forms down. Anything that happens that turns out to be beautiful or intangible comes from sometimes a place of pain. And that's just what the fuck it is. And you have to look at yourself and say, you know what? Am I going to man up? And am I going to woman up? And am I going to deal with this situation and stop letting it take advantage of me or keep me in this space? Because what you will wind up doing is being someone who is on social media or who is, you know, in front of your friends, a fucking facade, feeling like you are losing your shit on the inside, but not knowing what you can do to possibly make it better on the outside. And it's just a matter of if you take that first step to acknowledge the things that have hurt you, the things that have scared you, the things that have made you feel less than, the things that you played a part in and have that accountability, the feeling on the other side. I feel like colors have been brighter today. I think... I don't know what it is, but I just feel like truly a little bit lighter. And that says a lot because my ass has been smashing tacos for the past couple of weeks because I know I'm not physically lighter, but that's okay because I'm the shit and I am going to work on that too as well when I feel like it. I just really want everyone to be encouraged going into this week to really take on and tackle the things that scare you. And not even, let's not even make it plural. Take on one thing that scares you. I don't care if it is sitting there. You could have a good, I don't care if it's a relationship with a parent, a sibling, a friend, whatever. You may think you've gotten past something, but if it keeps going over and over in your head, talk to them about it. Because if they truly love you, they will listen. And even if they don't listen, you can't control how they respond to you. But what you can control is your own peace of mind and your own happiness and your own freedom. So, A little bit longer than normal, but I just wanted to get that off my chest. I hope everyone has an amazing week. I'm going to be actually out of town um, in the Seattle and Portland area this week, so I cannot wait to see what those states are like. I have heard they are not really black, so I'm going to try and find all six to ten people that live in the area and then go from there and see what's popping. But I want everyone to just celebrate and have a good time, and I will see you all next week. For Joy Has Questions. Bye, loves.